Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Well, welcome back. This is From Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke, and today I'm excited to welcome Rick Howard. Rick Howard is a retired lieutenant colonel, leading authority on U.S. federal government contracts. As a career military acquisitions officer, he oversaw $82 billion, that's a B, folks, for billion, plus in DOD contracts, and has advised and trained over 400 companies as a consultant. He's the CEO of DOD Contract, which guides, trains, and mentors small business owners and sales executives through the government sales process. Rick is the host of the DOD Contract Academy podcast and speaks extensively on the nuance of federal contracting strategy. He can be reached at richard at richardchoward.com. Welcome, Rick. Well, welcome, Rick. Looking forward to having you on the show today. Mel, thanks for having me on here, Dean. Outstanding. So in 60 seconds or less, tell us who Rick is. Well... I am a retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force. I spent 20 years in the Air Force. Uh, about half of my career was flying. And second half of my career, I was an acquisitions officer. And acquisitions is the profession of putting companies on contract for the government. So um, I got uh, a lot of experience in a lot of different areas, You know, working with rapid tech development here in the Boston, Massachusetts area, working with foreign military sales overseas, and just about everything in between. Um, then I transitioned. I uh, retired in 2019. And one of the things that um, bothered me, I guess you could say, while I was in was the amount of spending that the government does on small businesses in particular, and the lack of awareness of the opportunity and the process. And we talked a little bit before this, you know, the process can be complex if you don't know how to get through it. So I wanted to uh, do something where I could help streamline the process for small businesses in particular and raise the awareness uh, because you know, we continue with the government has to put small businesses on contract. The government buys just about everything you could think of. They spend you know more and more year over year, yet less than half of 1% of small businesses in the United States actually sell to the government. And that number is going down. The number of businesses are decreasing small businesses year over year. So we got a problem on our hands. And I, I preferred to work with uh, those type of businesses. They usually sure. could uh, pivot faster. They're, you know, they have innovative technologies. They're patriots. They're not bound by the bureaucracy that a lot of bigger companies uh, are. So that's that's me in a nutshell. I've been doing that since and, and haven't looked back. And, and really, I've been enjoying it. Awesome. So, well, thank you for your sacrifice. I know a lot of times as veterans, we hear is thank you for your service. But I like to say sacrifice because we, you know, we gave up quite a bit. So did our families if, uh, um, but, uh, so how did your 20 year career help shape who you are? Wow. That's a, that's a deep question. I mean, I would say that, you know, aside from, you know, what I learned from my parents and, uh, some of, you know, the, the lessons I had to learn, you know, growing up, um, it, it was fundamental in shaping who I was. And I think a lot mm. of service members, um, you know, in all professions have a similar experience where, all of a sudden, you're taking it out of an environment where you know you're free to kind of do what you want uh, within the bounds of the law, and then now a lot of those freedoms are taken away from you. And after you know going through some of your training, um, your initial training, you start realizing that, and in, in this is what I really appreciate: 
I don't know of any other uh, place on earth that really can train leaders like the military does. Mm. Uh, because, you know, it's, a, you know, as you know, it's a cycle. You train, you learn what you're going to do. They, at a very young age, they give you people, money to manage, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a dangerous mission, right? And once you master that, what do they do? They give you more and then more training, mm-hmm. then more. So more people, more money, more, maybe more dangerous, right? And they just keep piling it on and on, you know, with the ultimate objective, right? That, that the pinnacle of the military or the highest level leaders, a general officer, which is really a generalist, they're really training you to be able to lead and manage in any situation. And that goes for enlisted and officer. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you know, leadership happens at the lowest levels in the military. So I, I feel like I was I was forged, uh, you know, in the military in a way. And not all pleasant experiences, but you know, <laughs> it certainly teaches you patience and how to work with you know all different kinds of people that aren't like you, and um, and to be united in a common mission. Mm-hmm. And you know, protecting the United States, um, kind of being the, the best that we could be, being honest, being great at your job. Um, being determined and persistent, you know, all of that. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful. Um, I met my wife in the military, um, had my family while I was in the military. Um, it took me around the world. It gave me a lot of opportunities and, and then brought me back home right before I retired. So I'm very thankful. Yeah, it's one of the things how, you know, we don't realize while we're in doing the work, how we're being shaped and you know, prepped for whatever the future holds, whether it's in that next mission or it's the next training evolution. And it's interesting to see, uh, you know, currently my son's on active duty in the army as an infantry officer and just seeing the, uh, he was promoted to major uh, January. And so just seeing that evolution and, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to, and then talking with folks about how we're shaped through the skills and um, you as a pilot, I mean, and, you know, with your background in acquisition as well. And so um, with and that, just, I, do, I do want to correct. So my friends don't uh, throw spears at me. I was a navigator in the uh, navigator. Gotcha. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I forget um, if you, if you don't, uh, I have a lot of, uh, I've got a few air force pilots, Navy pilots, and it's interest and army pilots uh, in our uh, veterans of foreign wars. And, you're right. If one of them gets something wrong. Oh, yeah. They'll, they're, they'll correct you for sure. They're all so, over it. Oh, so don't get me wrong. The navigators are a lot smarter, a lot better looking than the pilots. <laughs> out there. But, you know, I'll give them a break here. And, uh, you know, but I do want to I did want to uh, justify, you know, at least uh, be honest here about uh, what we're doing. But, yeah, no, yeah. I love it. it was it was a great experience. Oh, uh, no worries. I always like to harass the Air Force pilots about not being able to land on a floating, moving metal deck, but, you know. Some, hey. of, them, some of them can't land on a runway, so that's <laughs> awkward. So uh, <laughs> you can add that to your list. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, well, some of them that are, they're Vietnam. They were um, forward air controllers, and um, and they flew those small, what is it, small Cessnas, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be those guys, but... Uh, now. So let's yeah. let's jump into selling to the government because I know there's yeah. there's many benefits to it. Um, how can just kind of at a high level explain the process how a business can get to the point where they're able to uh, acquire contracts and business from the government? Yeah. Um, okay. And let's so big picture. There's I guess you could say there's benefits and there's drawbacks, right? So I think it's I think it's good for everyone to understand that 
first B to G or business to government or public sector, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. the government doesn't buy the same way that you and I can buy something or another business. Can buy so uh, this has basically been regulated since George Washington's time, right? During the, you know, the birth of the country. And um, so just taking that into account when we talk about selling to the government, um, when you sell to the government, the first thing you want to ask or first question you really want to answer is does the government buy what you sell? Mm-hmm. Right. So depending in when I said they buy everything, they do buy just about everything. And I know most of your listeners or a lot of them were military. So, you know, they know that, you know, a military base is really a small town or city. So everything that goes into that needs to be purchased from landscaping to they have accountants that they, you know, mm-hmm. that are civilians that they put on not just GS, but you know, they they have contracts with small businesses to do things like bookkeeping and tax prep. They have put lawyers on contract, they have builders, teachers, school supplies, food, everything, oh, yeah. right? Tai Chi lessons, uh, meditation lessons, right? So lots of training. So uh, but we do have a mechanism for seeing how much the government is buying of what we sell, right? So let's just say um, you were, let's say you were an accountant, for instance, and you want to know, hey, is it worth it for me to sell to the government? So you go to usaspending.gov, which is a free website. We were talking about government websites associated with this, right? So the government websites aren't perfect, so don't expect much, but it does give you for free. It can give you a big picture understanding of how much the government's buying or does the government buy what you sell at all if it's something unique. So you can go into there and, you know, um, and I have, uh, I think, a tutorial on one of my podcast episodes about how to use some of the free tools uh, to do that, which is a DOD contract academy. But uh, what they can do is they can go on there, they can search under the accounting NAICS code, North American Industry Classification Code, and they might find out that the government spends a billion dollars a year on accounting services. And then you can refine that again say, okay, well, how much does the government spend on accounting services from small businesses? Because you can put that parameter in there and they're like, oh, they spend... I'm just making these numbers up, right? Oh, it's 400 million a year, right? So you can get an idea and okay, so now I know that there's an opportunity. It's actually a pretty big opportunity. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, there aren't a lot of small businesses selling to the government. So uh, first you wanna know, do they buy what you sell? You can look at other businesses that are like yours using the same tool, kind of get an idea of what they're doing, at least as far as their federal sales are year over year, you can see who they're selling to. So that's the first the first piece of this. Determine that there's a need. Determine that there's actually um, a product or service that you can sell to the government mm-hmm. that they're buying. And then from there, you want to put together a plan for how you're going to go after some of that. Interesting. So it's very similar to a B2B, B2C. Research your market, your target market, how you want to go after it. Understand if there is an opportunity. And so, um, so in thinking about that aspect of it, you know, I've heard of stories of of businesses being awarded contracts from the government, but then not being able to deliver. I mean, how do the how does a small business avoid that type of situation? Yeah, don't bite off more than you can chew. So there are there are good things about selling to the government, and there are negative, right? So big. Here are the good things. Uh, we're talking about uh, usually pretty stable contracts, right? Mm-hmm. And in some cases, very lucrative contracts. Sometimes they're a contract for, you know, two to five years, right? They are, they take a long time compared to B2B or B2C to win these contracts um, because they're highly regulated. So there's a lot, as you know, in the government, there's Mm -hmm. 50 people that can say no, but there's usually not one person that can just say yes to the whole thing, right? So there's a lot of coordination and a lot of layers that you have to work through, but that's okay because 
you can understand how the government buys what you sell. You don't have to understand the whole thing. You have to understand how the government, just the agency, if you, you could focus really small, the agency that buys what you sell. But you don't want to take on a contract that you can't, um, that you can't complete. It's very hard to recover from that if you right. um, if you don't complete a government contract or they have to cancel it because you're not doing uh, I would say impossible almost to actually recover from that. So my advice would be twofold. One is as a prime, if you're going, meaning you're going to be the one that has the contract with the government, start with something small. Start with something that just to get your feet wet. Winning your first government contract is usually the hardest one you're going to win. Um, but the second thing, this is probably more applicable to most of the audience, is uh, look for a subcontracting opportunity. What I mean by that is you can find an opportunity that, let's go back to the accounting firm, right? Maybe you have a small you know, bookkeeping tax prep uh, service. Mm -hmm. Well, look for a, uh, a contract from the government that has an aspect of what you do. Maybe it has bookkeeping, but it also has other services related to accounting that you don't do. Well, now, using that same tool I mentioned, USA Spending, you can go and look at companies that have successfully sold to the government. And since you have a lot of military uh, members and some of them might be service disabled or better known small businesses, the VA buys more from those type of businesses than all of the other agencies. So if you look at the percentage of their um, contracts and there's language that actually directs them to do this. So uh, let's say uh, you're selling to the VA or you find this opportunity with the VA. I, what I would do is I would go out and I'd find a company that you know, maybe still a small business, maybe a service mm -hmm. disabled, better known small business that, but has done has at least you know a few million dollars worth of contracts with the VA, with the one you're selling to. Just approach them like, look, I found this opportunity. I can do the bookkeeping part. Looks like you can do the rest of it. I've been to your website. You know, maybe we could talk. Um, it, you're bringing the opportunity to them. They're going to want to talk with you. And now you could set up a subcontracting agreement with them. So now go after the opportunity together. They can show you the ropes. It's a way to get a mentor. It's a way to uh, get some. Mm -hmm experience, you know, where you're not the prime. And that I think is probably the best way to approach it. So it's kind of, uh, and I've heard this um, in, you know, talking with various folks that have done that method in, in sort of a teaming type aspect, find the prime, look at the work they've done. If you can fill a niche that they have that they may not be able to fill, uh, become that subcontractor. Now, sure. one of the things with all government contracts comes a lot of requirements. So how does a, so say they subcontract with a prime, who's on the hook for like, like the big topic today is cybersecurity. And I think mm -hmm. you've got to be NIST is the new security protocol NIST. I think it's called, it's an acronym. Don't ask me what it is, but I know that that's one of the things you got to be compliant with. Uh, mm -hmm. Would a small business have to be compliant with, with something like that, or would that be the prime that it's the prime definitely does. I don't okay. want to, I shouldn't talk in indefinite or definitely not. Right. Every contract is different. Every agency is different. What you're talking about is, so there are a few, there's, there's requirements in every contract, but mm -hmm. CMMC is what I believe you're referring to the cyber uh, maturity. The cyber, yeah. Yeah. The, cyber, cyber maturation model. Anyway, the acronyms escaping me right now, but essentially what, that is saying is there's, there's a few things that we need to have if we're selling to the government and it's becoming more and more of a demand. So if anyone listening is actually selling, uh, for instance, I had a client recently that uh, you know kind of called me in a panic because he has a contract with the Navy and an IDIQ, which is an indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract. And he had it's a couple million dollar contract, there's delivery orders on him. I mean, they've been paying him through this. 
And the CEO is like, hey, look, I can't put another delivery order on this contract with you until you do your NIST 800-171 self-inspection. Mm -hmm. That's part of CMMC. So, um, but essentially what all of this is, I don't want to confuse everybody, really what it uh, comes down to is the government um, wants to put certain controls in place um, mm -hmm. with companies that they're going to put on contract. And those can, they want to make sure that, especially if you're doing anything technology related, although it doesn't have to be, but you could still have CMMC uh, would apply in a lot of cases. But, um, you know, if you were a software company, the government wants to make sure that you, they could actually put your tool, use it on their system or connect right. to you in the cloud. And the only way they, and look, I've been in the, this, the reverse end of this on the government side where we put a company on contract. They say they could do everything, right? But they're kind of hand-waiting. A lot of some companies will do whatever, say whatever they can to win a contract. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a company on contract and I can't connect them to the system. I can't get something called an approval to operate. I need that in order to connect to the system. But it's not going to, it's not my call and I wouldn't hand-wave it anyway, but the separate cybersecurity team is going to review that. And it's a, it could be a brutal process depending on what security level you're at. I'm just giving you an example, by the way. So all of these are basically confidence builders for the government. So if you are going to sell to the government, you want to, first of all, definitely know what they are, right? So look up CMMC online, look up the NIST 800-171 controls, um, look up FedRAMP if you're, you know, software solution. Oh, that's that another one, based. yes. FedRAMP is huge. And, you know, and there's other ones out there. There's some of the Air Force you can look up Platform One. But um, all this comes down to is, you're building confidence for the government that the government can actually use your tool that you have the measures in place that um, that would protect their information that would um, you know that would give them confidence that you're running your business appropriately and you know treating your people correctly doing the right thing with information and operational mm -hmm. security and all of that so those are some of the you know the key selection criteria I would imagine that's part of the process to become a vendor for the government well, if you're if you if you're listening to this and you're hearing selling to the government for the first time, right? Even if you're a social media manager, they they buy some of that as well. So, um, you know, some unexpected areas. But what you're going to do is first you determine if they buy what you sell, which we went through. Then sam.gov. So if you go to sam.gov, mm -hmm. that's the government website where you can register your small business. And we were just talking about this because we both have businesses that are. That's uh, a fun process, by the way. Not a fun process, right? Not a, um, and by the way, all these tools I'm talking about, Sam, uh, Sam.gov is also, you register your business there and that's also where you can see solicitation. So, hey, the government wants to right. buy, or the Navy needs someone to put a new roof on a facility in Florida, right? Well, you'd see that in Sam.gov. Um, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, that's where it's coming from. But these, these websites are not easy to use in some cases. And there's paid for websites as well that you might run across. Um, I think one thing is just knowing that there's paid tools and I use paid tools, but this is my job, right? Uh, and there's free tools. There's really no need to get a paid tool until you're kind of actively selling, in my opinion. But uh, you would, if you're going to start, you would register your business in Sam.gov. And then you would start looking at some of the things that, uh, you know, because that process takes some time. So look at some of the uh, certifications that you might need. Start uh, maybe talking with Primes. There are mentor mm -hmm. protege programs that you could be a part of. 
um, and do some research. You know, we uh, for free, I mean, you can go to dodcontract.com and we have some a lot of free interviews, uh, podcasts, things you can listen to there with uh, a lot of different companies. So maybe a company like yours I've interviewed and they might talk through some of the steps that they took to get there. And every every profession is a little bit different. Every industry is a little bit different within the government. So mm-hmm. it buys office supplies different than they buy accounting <laughs> services. Oh, sure. But yeah, so you just want to kind of be aware of that. So you can learn a lot for free. Um, and of course, we have a course too that they could do, they could go on if they were interested in uh, getting a little more kind of one-on-one assessment. But um, that's what I would do. I would go to sam.gov, register your business, then start talking and listen, talking to other companies that do what you do, listen to some of the podcasts and not just mine, but there's some other great resources out there. Um, but they can start pointing you in the right direction. That sounds like a lot of work. So one of the other things you talk about is, um... And this is important in in business, you know, overall is is networking and relationship building. So tell us a little bit more about why that's important in government contracting. Yeah. So despite all of the regulations, and when you said it's a lot of work, it, it's a lot of work. You know, selling to the mm-hmm. government is not for this isn't a get rich quick scheme, right? So selling to the government, you need to plan on 12 to 18 months. You need to plan on 12 to 18 months before you're on contract. It can happen before that. But just you know, plan on the long game. The benefit is there, though. If you want to grow your business, if you want to sell your business, government contracts can be one of those things that really increase the value of your company. And a lot of uh, my clients uh, have that intention in mind. Um, but and I lost my train of thought here. But oh, you were talking about that, how difficult uh, it could be to uh, potentially sell to the government. Well, that and the just the importance of networking. And- oh, yeah building those relationships because there are, I mean, either, you know, it it is heavily regulated and even doing things like that, you need to kind of mind your P's and Q's a little bit. Yeah. So there's, I think one thing that does get lost is that relationship piece, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get lost in the regulations and the certifications and everything else that you need. Right. But at the end of the day, there's a person on the other side of, you know, that government line. True. And, you know, so for those of us in the military that were in the military, we have a huge advantage over those that have never been in the government because we understand what how a military base works. We understand a little bit about the positions in an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationship is extremely important. Um, so if we want to talk about the, the real process right now. So this is not what you get on SBA, Small Business Association, or, or <laughs> the GSA. This is really how the process works. And this is how I would think about it. First, I usually knew what company I wanted to hire before solicitation went out. Okay. okay. When I say that, I didn't I didn't always get to hire the company I wanted to, but most acquisitions officers, before solicitation goes out, there's a there's a phase called the market research phase. And this is where, you know, look, my job was to put companies on contract, manage those contracts, but I was not a cybersecurity expert. I wasn't a construction expert, right? So we had to figure out, we had a requirement money, but we still need to figure out, hey, what are the best technologies? What are the best solutions? Mm -hmm. So during that market research phase, the government can talk to you. The government can talk to small businesses. So if anyone's going to have a takeaway, you want to start with one agency and you you can find the offices in a particular agency that buy what you sell. And you're looking for opportunities ahead of the solicitations. You want to know six mm-hmm. months out, three months out. And when you find out about those, see if you can make an appointment. You can respond to something called a request for information. 
Um, there are conferences and small business meetings. You can use the small business. There's usually a small business office on, associated with most bases. So you can set up a meeting with the office that buys what you sell. And this is where usually I would say, I would recommend find an opportunity first. So you can go in and you can say, hey, look, Rick, uh, we know that you are putting someone on contract to do penetration testing for cybersecurity. Our company is the you know greatest penetration testing blah 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 and like but that that's that's what you're doing you're coming in you're ta talking about your technology about your business you're developing that relationship and you're also helping us to write the solicitation because what we're doing is we're collecting input from different companies and the savvy companies knew that they needed to come talk to us let us know they existed let us know because you know let's say that you come in and for the penetration testing um, cybersecurity um, contract. And you convince me, you say, hey, look, not only do we do this, I'm a SDVOSB. So maybe now oh, I can yeah. set, because this is where this is decided. Can I set it aside for a woman-owned small business? Can I set this aside for a service-disabled veteran-owned small business? Uh, you have to tell the government that you can do the work and that you have that certification. Mm -hmm. um, I've never I've never put a company on contract because of their certification. That it's always, can you do the job? That always comes first. But right. once you prove that you can do the job and that you know you can help us, like, hey, and we recommend you know that the people have these certifications. We recommend mm -hmm. this type of past performance. Maybe you have a GSA schedule or another way for me to put you on contract. You can recommend that, and you can recommend the certification. So by the time that solicitation comes out, all of a sudden now I have uh, I'm hiring a service disabled veteran owned small business with these three certifications with this particular type of technology. And often, you know, if, if someone's been looking at this for a while or maybe even trying and failing, they might they might have the complaint of this is rigged. It looks like these solicitations are written for my competitor. And I hear that a lot. Right. And what I tell people is it's not rigged, but it was written for your competitor because your competitor did the work and you didn't. You need to find and right. a lot of times it's not even the small business's fault. Right. Like a lot of people don't realize that the government's not going to talk to you after the solicitation comes out because there are regulations that prohibit it, right? Because we want right. fairness of contracting, but they can before that. So focus on the market research phase, get in there, have the meeting. This is what's similar to regular sales, right? You need to, you want to get in there, build that relationship. So um, if you do come from B2B or B2C, there's, there is an element to that. It's just the process of starting that, that piece is a little bit different. You got to start a little bit earlier, I would say, as far as, you know, when you engage and how you engage and, and it's, and then, yeah, once it, once that solicitation comes out, it's, you're done at that point. You can't. All you can do now is write a proposal. And right. if you have, for my clients, I tell them, if you haven't talked to the office, don't even write a proposal. Um, you know, there are, there are certain exceptions to that. There's always an exception, but if there is a certain level of competition, the government probably already knows. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, in a previous life, I wrote proposals for state, uh, you know, with attorney generals and things like that. And, and a lot of it was, is, you know, you, they would select up to three vendors and then of those three vendors, it would be, um, you know, you would get awarded contracts in one year. We, we won the contract. Um, but what we found is the top two vendors or the other two vendors were incumbents. And so mm -hmm. we would get, you know, what the work that they couldn't handle. So uh, it's, um, yeah. that, that wasn't a fun win for the, for the amount of effort that went into it. But uh, yeah. so tell us, a, tell us a little bit about some of the success stories. Cause I know you've had, you've talked about them already, but tell us a little bit more yeah. about success stories that you've worked with on small business side. Sure. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot, uh, you know, we could talk about, so, 
Well, here's a, a veteran-owned business. So I'll, I'll throw them under the bus uh, called uh, Street Smart VR, right? And um, I worked with a few things, but I give them, I mean, they they take the credit for, for going through and doing the hard work, as they always do. You know, if you pay a consultant mm-hmm. to help you, they can help in a specific area. But um, they're a great uh, company. And there's a podcast interview you can listen to with Oliver, the CEO and I think founding partner. But, um, you know, here's a, um, a Marine Corps um, officer that gets out, you know, as a, I want to say he was either lieutenant or captain and realized there was a need for uh, virtual reality training with security forces. And, you know, a lot of times he found himself in situations where, you know, if you're on a ship or you're in a, um, in a contained environment, you know, you can't go to the firing range, right. Or conduct something like de-escalation training. And they, they put together a hell of a system to uh, train security forces and military police, soldiers and sailors, um, and it goes beyond just, you know, hand-to-hand combat and weapons training. Like I said, de-escalation training There's a whole, um, they have a whole array of options. And they did a great job of finding um, and going after something called, uh, well, it falls under research and development contracts, right? And so small business innovative research is the name of the program. So if you have a solution, if any of your audience has a solution that even exists right now and that could be modified for government need, or they they have an idea, it's patented, they're they're looking for funding, a lot of our clients will use SBIR contracts instead of venture capital. And now what it typically allows you to do, you retain your IP, you retain ownership of your company, um, but the government's uh, paying you to develop maybe a prototype or an MVP help you advance that TRL level. So it's interesting to do that on the government's dime. And they, the intent is for it to be dual use, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, you know, Oliver, but there's several other examples where they've won multiple SBIR contracts and they were able to develop it, an amazing solution for the government. And, you know, in their case, they were able to not only win those contracts, but to sell them, I think he's in over 50 DOD installations. Um, wow. And it, I think that's a great example of a, a military veteran, a young military veteran, smart, savvy, I was able to go out and use the system for exactly the purpose that it was designed for, to uh, develop an amazing solution, get it in the hands of the warfighter, uh, make our country safer, and and give him a strong business and a, a career after the military. Yeah, that's an amazing story. It's uh, You're right. When you're out floating in the ocean, it's pretty tough to, to do certain types of training, but uh, we find a way to get it done. But the virtual aspect of it, that's phenomenal. I mean, just the de-escalation yeah. aspect to it uh, and different you know, things that go along with security forces. Um, uh, because we had a Marine contingent on our first ship that I was on and, uh, cause we had nukes and that was, you know, and this was a few decades ago. So before virtual reality, but uh, it would have been good to, to have them go through that. But, uh, Oh yeah. But no, that's, I mean, that is exactly, it's interesting. You mentioned that because a lot of other companies that would, require venture capital, not know about the SBIR funding. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is a phenomenal way to go do that. And then just the the growth that they've had, it sounds amazing. So oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean I mean there's certainly other stories too, you know, in different areas. So I thought that would be a good one to uh you know to bring up. We've had other cybersecurity veteran-owned companies that have done really well. And and again, if you if you're in a particular area, um, you can you know, uh, either send us a note or check out the website and see if there's a episode that we did with a company like yours. But, um, you know, and we're always open to to checking something out because there's so many different areas. It's impossible to, uh, oh, sure. 
you know, to, to cover them all. So we'll, you know, we'll take uh, any requests and we can, we'll find a company, get them on there and, and kind of do the interview and go through because each one's a little bit different. So it's good, especially, you know, obviously I have an affinity for your, your veteran audience, right? So uh, you want to go, this is something you want to go into with your eyes open. You don't want to waste time or money. And that's very easy to do in this business. So oh, um, you don't know who buys what you sell, how do they buy it? And that's going to dictate the steps that you need to take to sell and win. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, very insightful. And it's, it, like I said, we a uh, good friend of mine who's got a consulting business and he's a service-disabled Marine, uh, former Marine. And um, we were actually talking about this exact topic uh, yesterday. So it's uh, fortuitous that you're on the show today because it's because um, it'll help us. I mean, just try to figure out that aspect of market research. And, um, and he sold... He sold to, I believe it's Washington State. I don't know what he did the actual federal government, but I know we're okay. looking at that. So, and we know that there's a there's a long game involved there. But uh, yeah, well, great. Well, let's move into the speed round. Uh, yeah, pretty easy questions. I won't won't toss anything over the fence. That's too hard. But uh, so I always love to ask. <laughs> I always love to ask. So, what are the three books you'd recommend and why? Yeah. Well, we are. Uh... I think we're talking to business owners, correct, right now? Correct. Yep. So so $100 million offers. I don't know if you've heard uh, wow. that one before. That's It's a really good one if you're in business. And it, it really walks you through how to make an offer that sells. A lot of, uh, not just veteran-owned business, any business, mm-hmm. a lot of people undervalue what they have. Um, as veterans, it's easy to undervalue our experience, especially if you didn't do something like for me, it kind of directly correlates into money. Right. So it's a little bit easier, but you know, there are a lot of jobs that whether it was a leadership position or, you know, maybe cybersecurity, there there are a lot of jobs that you may have had in the military or, or in another life that, that are, that they can equal a large paycheck on the other side, providing value. Right. So that that book is a great one because it shows you how to combine different things that you're doing um, and and offer high dollar services. Right. So it it may change your mindset from trying to charge someone one hundred dollars an hour for what you're doing to maybe offering a twenty five thousand dollar package, which, you know, some companies are going to buy depending on what the value offer is. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, that is one that I would definitely recommend. Um, you know, as far as other ones, oh, there's one I'm listening to right now. I didn't bring my phone down here. Um, it is, what, hold on a second here. I want, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to delay your, your podcast, but this is, this is really a good one. Um, Ooh, the, the website's business made simple. I just can't remember the guy's name. I'll put I'll I'll send you the note so you can put it That's, in the, that sounds familiar. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Donald, well, Donald Miller, it's Donald Miller. So he did the story brand framework, which yep. is a, a famous book. He has one that talks about how to build a small business that titles escaping me. And he basically talks of maybe it's because he talks about it like building an airplane, right? And uh that's what I uh, what I found interesting about this is it's a, a very concise, logical way to build a business. So mm. um, he talks about it from uh, leadership to the products that you're offering to how you're going to market them. And then, you know, more, uh, I think, 
things about a business that people don't think about when they first get into it, which is, well, hey, how are you even going to set up your checking accounts? How are you going to set money aside, how, setting your taxes aside from your profit and investment? He does a really good job of doing that. It's a little bit different than I've heard in the past. So yeah, forgive me for not remembering the exact name of the book, but it's by Donald Miller and it's really good if you're in business. And so uh, as far as the third book is concerned, I don't know. Alice shrugged. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've read that oh, one. That's a good one. No, that's I've, read good. It, I've read it a few times. So, you know, take it or leave it. But uh, it was it was a great one. So. Oh, great. So another question on your top three. What are your favorite movies and why? Oh, man, yeah, people are going to think I'm just a geek after this. But, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've got to go. I've got to go Star Wars because because it nice. is. Nice. And uh, here's one that's odd. It's just from my childhood as well. The first Clash of the Titans. It was so bad. Okay. Like in retrospect, my kids, I made my kids sit through this. And if you saw it back in, you know, <laughs> early 80s, like I did, you know, the, even the, the claymation and whatnot back then wasn't so hot. But today it's it's laughable. And my kids were just laughing hysterically, like almost I'm sure as they were uh, <laughs> as they were watching that. So um yeah, no, that was a good one. And I mean, so you you probably catch a theme here. Most of my movies are going to be sci-fi related, or, or and, and I'm a huge fan. I'm just going to say the whole Marvel universe. If you'll let me get away. Oh yeah, okay. You know, so again, I'm in dad mode. So me and my kids, Friday nights, Saturday nights, we're we're usually watching a movie, and it's usually something, something of that ilk. Nice. No, it's. Uh, I go back and watch the original Star Wars, and I'm like scratching my head, like, oh my gosh, I really love this show. The you know the the first one that they did and it was oh, uh I know. and then empire strikes back and then return of the jedi and i'm like wow and then um because i always joke with my kids and my kids are all grown but um i always tell them those are my top three star wars movies and they're like dad they are like the worst from a you know computer graphic whatever they call oh, it yeah stuff. but um, i'm like groundbreaking back then it was i mean yeah um but yeah well, they, got so the, they got the mandalorian now so they can uh they can hang out there yeah we're we're struggling to get through the Mandal. well we actually we watched a few of them but we're okay. uh, yeah it's it's not like the old star wars but uh mm -hmm. well where where can my audience go to learn more about you and what you do uh to help small businesses get into uh government contracting yeah no uh, so you can go to dodcontract.com uh you can see you know what we offer there uh we have a podcast page as well uh there but you can also listen to the podcast on you know itunes spotify wherever wherever they do podcasts and that's just dod contract academy and so you can uh look that up and you know we'd, we'd love to have you on there listening to the show so i would say and that's it's all free and there's some there's a lot of practical advice on there on how to sell to the government um you could you could really just listen to the podcast and really learn you know probably half of what or if not more of what you pay someone to teach you. So um, that, that that's a great resource right there. And that's probably where I'd start. I'll definitely be checking that out as we go through our journey to uh, achieve that first government contract. But uh, well, no, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, thank you for joining us today and from battle to business. And I'll leave the last few words to you. Well, yeah, my my only last words are going to be, you know, there is a, a great opportunity out there for all businesses, but I'm speaking to small businesses and in your case, maybe this the SDVOSB or the veteran-owned business community. Um, there's a huge opportunity. Government has to buy from small businesses, mm -hmm. but go into it with, with your eyes open. It's not easy. It does take a long time, uh, but if you approach it in the right way and the step-by-step -step path, knowing who buys what you sell, 
know how they make those purchases. As long as your effort's consistent, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of effort, but consistent effort over uh, a period of time is going to bring results. So um, just do it in a smart way. And I'd like to see you guys out there uh, winning more contracts and, you know, making the country safer. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us. And now we have a resource to send folks to when they need help. So Rick, greatly appreciate having you on the show and uh, look forward to this episode coming out. Great. Thanks. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at deanvandyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business.